Well, um, some weeks ago, Elon Musk started banning people on Twitter. <laughs> and so I thought I would try to predict who else I thought might be banned. Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. The first full year of this 2022 of Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is now about to draw to a close. I'm Joe Arnold, your roundtable host. Sean Southern is here. Kevin Grout, Jared Crawford, and oh look, Scott is back. Hello, Scott. Hello, Joe. Good to be with you all. Happy or Merry Christmas first, and then yeah. almost Happy New Year. Almost Happy New Year. I don't know uh, exactly what this is going to post, but I'm looking forward to hearing about everyone's New Year's uh, resolutions. plans, resolutions. Yeah. I, I I sort of love this. Uh, you know, new beginning, New Year, new attitude, new processes, new things. This new is three processes. three pods in a row. We've all been together. Oh my God! Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> How's wow. your baby, by the way? Yeah. He is still growing. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we occasionally sleep, uh, and we're working on that. Man, is your baby having a nice Christmas? He had a great Christmas. Yeah. What was his favorite Christmas present? <laughs> He's only four <laughs> weeks old. Uh, his favorite thing was watching his older brother open all of his Christmas presents for Okay. Him. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's right. Yeah. I think, you know, based upon the rave reviews from our last podcast, we have to just go ahead and announce that we're going to end this by singing that classic New Year's song. It's called Dominic. The Donkey Loves. Was it a donkey song? What did you play again last week? Dominic, Dominic. the Christmas Dominic, donkey. I, Christmas I, I, Auld Lang Syne. I, guys, you I was focusing on cantering at Holy Trinity, which went very well. I just think that... What are you doing here now? What is this one? I think it's Auld Lang Syne. It's just, it's just a very long introduction. Yeah. yeah. You need a little, you know, yeah. little Guy Lombardo for all legs on. Should all. I may have fast forwarded too far. Is this like Celtic <laughs> women? <laughs> all legs on? What a is little this? ominous. Is there any other kind? <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Is it really? I don't. Ingrid Michelson. Angry she sounds Celtic. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry famous. to have distracted us with that. I was just saying that <laughs> yes. people apparently really enjoyed the musical numbers <laughs> Absolutely. from the last podcast. Oh, here's James yeah. Taylor. This is really going to turn into a full musical podcast now. It's all we do is sing. <laughs> as long as we don't get flagged for copyright. Right? No, yeah. like, as oh, long as these are all parodies, if obviously. It's, if it's incidental. No, we Can James Taylor sue us? <laughs> that, that'd be good publicity. <laughs> Everyone should just let us know. Respond. To, send us an email. Send us a note to let right. us know if you want more musical Not numbers. James I Taylor. Joe Arnold. Don't you know, <laughs> last week, many of, of my choices were like unknown to the rest of you and, and vice versa. Does anyone here in this room know who Guy Lombardo is? Guy Lombardo. The only is Lombardo the I know is Vince. The Packers? I'm sure, I mean, sure, have, you, have, and, have you heard of Guy Lombardo? No. He was an Italian, Canadian, American band leader, violinist, all? and hydroplane racer. Every, He's totally not reading anything at all. Every, I just remembered that. <laughs> and read it. Guy Lombardo. From his brain. Is the band leader that for, for most of the 20th century, his version of Auld Lang Syne was what ushered in the new year. Really? Yes. Is that right? Yes. You mean like on TV? Yes. What a guy. Lombard. I mean, this is so, so sad, though. <laughs> there are some people listening to this podcast, I hope. but <laughs> <laughs> Probably not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are saying, seriously? I know. That no one else here knows Guy Lombard. It's, it, it, is, it shows you just how fleeting. This is going to be a Twitter Lombard. poll. Who is on Joe's side oh, here yeah. and who has the memory of the yeah. rest of us? That's true. But Guy Lombardo was, in fact, New Year's for many years. Of course, Dick Clark. Yeah. There he is. This, is. this is the version. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Be oh, I guess I recognize God. this. Oh, yeah. The... That's the tune. Of course you recognize the tune. Wait well, for the, it, the, the lyrics. This version. Yeah. It's this version. It's Guy Lombardo. Huh. I'm telling you, this is the classic one. I know. I know. I know. Just, yeah. So happy new year, everybody! Almost yep. a few days away here as uh, our podcast uh, draws 2022 to a close. We had a lot of fun uh, last week with Christmas guys, but I do want to kind of talk some politics. Um, and, and you know, Kevin, before we rolled here, reminded me. I'm so glad you did. Me that, too. That my prediction from last year came true. I predicted that Roe would be overturned in the Dobbs case, and it would be a major impact on the midterm election. Joe is actually the Supreme Court leaker, in case anyone was worried about that. I was not. That was <laughs> Samuel Arnold. No, that was a whole... Just meant, he just meant that you took a leak near the Supreme Court. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
So we're gonna go through several that was categories. Around January sixth, right? Several categories here. I'm just ignoring all of you. Several categories here. I'm saying I'm gonna start with the biggest political moment of the year, and I'm gonna go ahead and claim Dobbs. The Dobbs yeah. decision as the yeah. biggest political moment of the year. Any any disagreements there from anyone? Well, obviously, we'll disagree because we all have our own. Yeah. But that that was yeah. a big moment. I, so good yeah. for yeah. I think I think it's choice. the wrong way. You could maybe make a case even that the leak of the decision mm. may have been the bigger moment actually because it sort of like set off right. the firestorm. It ignited like the actual reactions to it. The the Democrat and really the both both parties really sort of set off on their paths from the leak forward in terms of their messaging and all those things. So I think the leak and then the actual decision almost certainly the, the biggest moment. Scott, so we've had, obviously, uh, you know, more than a month now uh, to kind of continue to, to digest the midterms. Do you have any other reflections on to what extent that case was a, you know, a, a factor? Well, in the exit polling, um, it was the second biggest issue behind inflation, um, which was interesting to me because when the exits came out on election night, you know, if you remember back a couple of months ago when the um, before the midterms in the last couple of weeks, a lot of the national surveys had shown abortion falling as an issue. Like it had kind of toppled down the list, but then in the exit polls, mm-hmm. it it had it spiked back up. And so um, my recollection of it is that Republicans had gotten the idea that maybe uh, the Democrats had run out of steam on it, but it was still obviously on the minds of voters. Now, I will say, in some of the analysis after the election, it appears to me that that Republicans really won the turnout battle. If you look at some of the, the sort of deep analysis of the voter files, Republicans actually turned out more voters. Uh, it's just that some Republicans didn't vote for the Republican candidates. But in terms of overall turnout, I think the theory was Dobbs was going to spike Democratic turnout. Well, Republicans won the turnout game. Now, not all those voters stuck with the party, but but so anyway, I I, I still think we're digesting it truthfully, and um, and I still think we have a lot of of space to go on this issue because state legislatures are going to have to deal with it, and we'll be dealing with it in the in the next several months and, and couple of years. And biggest political moment, Sean? I think that I would say. Um, in some ways, the uh, electoral loss of Governor Stacey Abrams. <laughs> yeah. She was Why the only the- incumbent governor to lose. <laughs> <laughs> she and Beta O'Rourke will never uh, hold elected office. And so I think that that was a big political moment for all of us. You know what was amazing? Uh, around your, when we were, I was doing all these panels around the Georgia elections. And like, so, like, Brian Kemp is just crushing Abrams. And Warnock, you know, ends up leading Walker on election night and then, and then winning the, the runoff. And people just kept saying, well, you know, we just have to acknowledge that Stacey Abrams, you know, made, <laughs> you know, really was the reason Raphael Warnock went. It's like they were programmed, like they're robots. Like they had you, to do it. Like if you don't go on television and praise Stacey Abrams for being the cause of something good, you'll be drummed out <laughs> of like the but punditry core. It was just, the, actually, it was crazy. I gave saw, up some of her vote share because she's such a good person. So on one of the handicapping of the, uh, you know, 2024 Democratic primary, I saw Abrams' name on that list. Oh, sure. How mm-hmm. How is that possible? How can you be president how of Earth you, and president of the United States? How can you? It like seems it. like a conflict of interest. Wasn't she president of the Earth on Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. How yeah. can you hold both offices? Seems really, like it's point. a demotion for her. Yeah, That's a yeah. Good point. She just want to focus more. Yeah. Who else has got a big moment, Kevin? Uh, I think it's got to be Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, looking yeah. beyond the, the borders, I mean, it, it totally transformed what we were doing here in the United States. I think it helped get a lot of things passed because a lot of people got serious and knew that this was this was a threat. And I mean, it's it's hard to overstate what's happening in Europe. There, there's an energy crisis in Europe in part because of this invasion, and it's it's going to stick with us. Hopefully, uh, not not all the way through 2023. Yeah, yeah, I have a kind of very specific moment, and I think this might tie in at some predictions down the line. If if folks remember when 60 Minutes edited the question and answer of Ron DeSantis on the COVID vaccines. This moment to me really stands out because it set off DeSantis's kind of stardom as the like uh, anti-lockdown governor. Uh, he then went on to have some of the successes with the parental rights stuff. Uh, of course, the don't say gay bill that was labeled the bout with Disney. That moment to me in which 60 Minutes very clearly edited unfairly the question and answer on the vaccine distribution 
DeSantis' stardom there, I think, really started to take off, and he became the the symbol of kind of freedom in in this moment, which, you know, so much the economy was locked down and all these things, and has sort of really rode that ship now, and I think... Not to get ahead of us, but so Jared's a time traveler. He's coming back and he's showing us the beginning of the biopic. I'm um, just yeah. I, I think this is the moment. Yeah, I mean, people obviously point to DeSantis. I mean, every time you say anti-lockdown governor, it's DeSantis, right? Even I think people point to uh, Abbott in Texas and say he did too much, and some of these, you know, um, and clearly is is becoming, if not is, you know, one of the front runners for the Republican nomination now, uh, and I think that's a huge part of it. And we talk so much about his kind of like Trump-esque uh, demeanor and the media doing that to him, him being able to combat it and people being like, what was this is ridiculous. Why would they do this to him? Because they're afraid of him. And so um, I think DeSantis is going to be an important player for many years to come. And I think that's a, a critical moment there in, in his role in all of that. I'm going to pick just the the impact of the midterm on the future of the Republican presidential primary. I think the... The failure of Republicans to perform as uh, predicted in the midterm and the the sort of the general view by most people that Trump was a major cause of that. And the two months that have followed and his sort of, you know, rapid decay in the Republican presidential primary against trading cards. He has NFT trading cards. (laughs) Did you get some for Christmas? I did. Were they wrapped under the computer? I mean, they were dipped in eggnog. <laughs> so anyway, I'm I'm going to say that like what to me the the result of the midterm, but what that set off for Trump and what that might portend for this Republican mm-hmm. primary to me is a uh, I mean it's hard to say which one of these these are all great picks I think, but th- th- to me just forward looking that one th- I think if Trump ends up not being the Republican nominee, we'll look back. To the night of that midterm and say that's where the decay started. Yep. So this is the first of several categories that Jared put together for all of us to think about. So the other one's coming up here. Biggest political change this year. What is something we should leave in 2022? The worst and best moment. The best worst person. The favorite thing you read, saw. Your favorite memory and your predictions coming up. Kevin. So to go to the biggest change of the year, I think the whole country changed about 9 p.m. on election night. Because that's when I think it started to get real that this red wave wasn't going to be quite as big as we thought. I mean, even even as polls were closing, we were, I was thinking, a 240 House majority, right? And then it, by, by 9 p.m., I think you could start to see that wasn't really going to happen. And that's what led to, like Scott was just saying, uh, huge impacts in the 2024 primary. What, what Jared was saying, people taking a look down south at Governor DeSantis. I think that is when America changed this year. Scott, I th- I think uh, one of the biggest changes this year is how we think of incumbents, because incumbents did quite well in this election. Not a single Senate incumbent lost. Every incumbent governor except for one was reelected. I for for many many years in my political career, uh, especially lately, we've thought of incumbents as being establishment, and establishment as being on the outs with voters, and you know it's insurgents are popular and sort of. People from outside the system were popular. That's not what happened this year mm-hmm. at all. And so for me, one of the biggest changes was recalibrating how we view incumbents of both parties uh, and their viability in – I mean, you think about the country was in a bad mood. The economy was not uh, you know, blowing anyone's skirt up. The, 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 you know, so many things about Biden and his policies were unpopular – it was thought that there was going to be sort of this revolutionary mood among the electorate. But what we really found out was that stability, boring incumbents were were sort of the, the, the word of the year on this midterm. So to me, big change. We're in Kentucky. So I'm going to ask you a question about that. And this is, I, I don't mean to jump ahead of predictions here, but uh, the Democratic governor of Kentucky, Andy Bashir, enjoys that incumbency. And he was the crisis governor through COVID through disasters, natural disasters here. So is that something which, as a political strategist, you're going to be looking at and saying, listen, you have to overcome even a steeper hill than you normally would? Oh, no question. I I think it's hard to beat an incumbent. Um, I think they can be beaten, and some do lose, you know, along the way. Uh, But I think think an incumbent governor is difficult to beat. I would just say to all of my Republican friends, just because Kentucky is now a Republican state— does not make it a shoe-in for this governor's race. I think Bashir is going to be uh, difficult to beat. Not impossible. There's a path. He only won by 5,000 votes the last time around, and, and I think there's some pretty viable 
uh, general election candidates in the Republican primary. But this is no slam dunk just because Kentucky's a red state. The last two big statewide winners were Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell. Big margins. Uh, and, and I do expect Republicans to win all the other offices. But Bashir has shown some resilience in his own personal polling. And so to me, he starts out as the front runner. And, and it's, it's really on the Republicans to give the voters a reason to kick him out. Sean? Yeah, so I think the biggest political change this year is uh, another Supreme Court opinion, Joe, uh, that is going to be have uh, reverberating effects for years to come, which is the case involving West Virginia and the EPA. I think that Great choice. there is a a with with the new Supreme Court uh, deciding that elected officials are going to have to make the decisions about policymaking, uh, which is kind of part of what was going on with the Dobbs decision as well. Uh, I think that you're going to see uh, this ripple effect through all of our elections going forward where, you know, politicians, elected officials actually have to solve problems and they can't wait on the courts to solve them for them. Or bureaucrats. Or bureaucrats to solve them for them. And that the uh, the voters are going to uh, be able to hold politicians accountable for their action or inaction. I'm going to lean on a, a Supreme Court case, the Dobbs decision again for my biggest political change. I'm going to call it federalism, uh, a, a reassertion of the states having uh, a say in their own within their own borders. Certainly, that's what the Dobbs case says. But in addition to that, there's frankly uh, the diversity of election procedures and every state choosing how elections are run. There's um, there are strong governors. There are strong mm-hmm. legislative mm-hmm. bodies. There is redistricting that goes on. So I, so political. So I'll, I'll say political change, but political maybe emphasis in 2022 is maybe the reemergence of the states as leaders here, and not just leaning on the federal government. Jared. Yeah, very quickly. Uh, I'll just sort of say like education in politics. I think we sort saw this start with uh, Glenn Youngkin's campaign. I think more parents tuned in. More parents uh, attending school board meetings and and being interested in in their child's education uh, a policy that just it, it never really moved people to the polls they just sort of assumed everything that was being taught and was going on in schools was always kind of okay obviously covid changed a lot of that and now curriculum changes i think parents are tuned in uh to uh w- more tuned into what's going on in their in their uh child's classrooms and so education to me is becoming a a, a different sort of political player now i'll be curious about how much of a role education plays in the governor's race in kentucky Given COVID and yeah. given some of the other curriculum-based questions there. Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, Governor Bashir vetoing a sort of anti-CRT bill, kind of uh, you know pro-traditional uh, American history, history education bill. Um, and so, again, setting those sort of lines, like this is our side, this is um, their side. So, yeah, I, I do think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out if it continues to, to motivate people. Did we miss anybody? Nope. All right. Moving on. What is something we should leave behind in 2022? I'm going to go first on this one. Cryptocurrency. (laughs) All right, Kamrejan, tell us why. Well, I'll just say this. Well, and to your point, I'm not (laughs) anti-technology. I'm not anti-progress. I I understand that blockchain technology has a role, and I believe that'll be with us forever. I think that'll be. But the question is the difference between the blockchain technology and the innovation involved there. Than this, you know, Ponzi scheme and this incredible buy-in and this—I don't know what you what do you even call it here—in terms of this mass delusion that this thing is worth whatever they people said they thought they thought it was worth. And those of us who questioned it from the very beginning, saying, "I'm still not convinced. I'm not going to buy it until I understand how it works." You know, uh, unfortunately, I think or we can look at the other folks and just feel bad for them. But I I feel terrible for the people who listen to a. A celebrity. A celebrity. Uh, whether How many celebrity endorsers went on Shaquille O'Neal or Matt Damon? Did Tom Brady right. do one of these? Right. Tom Brady. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, uh, Larry no, David. That, no. I mean, this crazy, yeah. crazy. I think that was a Giselle thing. That's why he's. Parade yeah. of people. But, but seriously, who is going to be influenced by that? The yeah. same folks yeah. who maybe bought a Trump NFT card. But I'm saying is, this is, it's sad, and I feel bad for the folks, and, and all the money that was then redistributed to, to the charlatans of the world. Let's hope that I mean I'm not, I'm not a big person on uh, on regulation in general, but this is something which definitely needs to be offload your Dogecoin because Joe Arnold <laughs> says no I'm more. Say. So crypto leaving behind, leave in it 2022. behind. Scott, I would like to leave behind the celebrity politicians 
and celebrity political influencers that seem to have just absolutely floundered in 2022. Dr. Oz, Herschel Walker, I mean, I'm sure would have all been fine, you know, votes in the U.S. Senate. But just the, the influence of celebrities, especially on the Republican Party. And we aren't, ju- aren't you a celebrity now? You're on TV <laughs> oh, all the time. No. <laughs> fine. You can leave me behind as well, Kevin. <laughs> I, I just... I think Republicans are so desperate to be liked by a celebrity, any celebrity, because the Democrats have all the Hollywood people. They have all the famous celebrities. So any celebrity that comes along and is like, oh, I'll say something one day that you might like, and then we end up deifying these people. Kanye West. Mm-hmm. I mean, look how that turned out. Hmm. And so I'm just I'm just ready to leave the influence of celebrity influencers, on, especially on the Republicans, behind and uh, and get back to people who who are a little more serious and a little more credible and have a little bit more uh, grounding for their views. This category is what is something we should leave behind in 2022, Jared? TikTok. God dang it. <laughs> that was mine. That's it. And, and like, I mean, it, uh, a lot of governors are leaving it behind right now. Yeah. Banning. I, the I, I know there's, you know, some effort to, to potentially ban this because of the security risks, even if this was an American grown company. It's, it just anyway. the worst. it's just the worst. I'm just I'm I'm done with it. I'm I'm like ready to I don't know, maybe I'm taken from you, Joe, and acting old here, but <laughs> I just I, I just think it's I just think it's silly, like despite the security concerns, I I just I don't know. I think it's damaging kids and all yeah. those things. Yeah. Like, I just everything that's... blockchain technology, by the way. I'm showing how hip I am with the nineties. But, but but to hip. be fair, you think blockchain is literal cinder blocks. Strung together by chain link fence type thing. <laughs> but <laughs> Sean, you were going to say TikTok. Yeah, too. J- Jared stole mine. So let me hop that. in on this. Yes. Uh, yeah. So you know, the U.S. Senate voted a few weeks ago to to uh, move forward with blocking this on yeah. government phones. Uh, you know, it's it's really telling that you know China what they have what passes for TikTok there is very different than the the version of TikTok that's here in this country. There, it's like all a bunch of educational videos. And here it's like completely destroying our young people's minds. Yeah. Uh, it's a weapon. Yes, they have it, deployed it, it a is, weapon. It is, it is a weapon that is being used to purposely shorten the attention spans of our people. And I think that, but we, that, that that's not the reason, though, it's going to be banned. No, it's, it's a it's, reason it should be it banned. Should, it's, yeah. it's, but I, it is not the sociological version reason for it. It is, it is the security right. yeah. from yes, a computer yes, standpoint. Yes, you, you are correct that the reason that it needs to be banned from like a Sean nas- can dislike it for two reasons. One of the yeah. reasons that it should be banned from a national security standpoint is that the data yes. piece. Yeah. But I have also argued that it should be banned because it is literally a weapon that they are using to change the way that people think. Well, And they're not using it the same way on their own people. I have a question for you. So if that's the case, should we ban Facebook? I mean, the... The, the Facebook reels and the I mean the, people will also drum through those and 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 into some one of a you know you, you can be there for an hour I'm saying that I have a fear whenever a foreign country that is long have had an adverse relationship with us purposely introduces a piece of technology to try to disrupt the minds of our young people that's what I'm saying what Facebook does and what other companies do I mean that's something that you know you need to probably have a conversation about because it's an American company but I still think that you know we can we need to really reflect as a culture about what these products are doing to people's minds. I mean, it means something whenever these these corporate executives are not letting their kids onto these platforms because they know that they're poison for people. I am concerned about addictive uh, viewing habits. Scott, for instance, every New Year's he's going to watch thirty Twilight Zone episodes back to back to back to back. That's one hundred percent true. <laughs> it's my favorite. Uh, I know we did our Christmas traditions last week, but it's my favorite end of the year tradition. Huh. Watching these Twilight yeah. Zone so and, I, and the kids turn off NORAD. The kids turn kinda, on Twilight Zone. Oh, one of my kids has got Winston. He, he loves it, uh, and these are like dialogue driven shows. I mean, just just to, do what, you have a favorite Twilight Zone episode? Because I have one that comes to mind. What's yours? Uh, I can't think of what it's called, but it's when they start like turning the streetlights off in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. And everybody, the monsters uh, come to Maple Street. Yes, yes, yeah. That's yeah. by far my favorite one. Yeah, you can write a book on this. Uh, it, it's, you know them back and forth. Um, you know, I um, I like the ones um, I like the ones that are... Um, Cerebral? Um, that are a little bit like... At the end of it, you're like, wait, did he mean for this to be this, or did he mm. mean for it? Like, there's one where a guy uh, works at a wax museum, and the dummies are all serial killers. 
and they're going to close the wax museum. And the guy is so tied up with the wax figures of the serial killer that he takes them and he puts them in his basement. And, um, and he installs all these air conditioners because he doesn't want anything to happen to them. And during the course of the show, they, the show depicts the figures as coming to life. They kill his wife. And, uh, and anyway, this guy ends up getting arrested. And at the end of the show, you're like, wait a minute. Did, did, the, did the figures really come to life or did he do oh, it? And he was just rationalizing that they did. Like, you don't really yeah. know. So there's a few of them like that where you, right then you're like, wait a minute. What's the truth here? Yeah. This is interesting. So it took that because not the first time people have gotten obsessed with watching things over and over and over again. He just, he, just, he just made an equivalent between TikTok and, and the a, Twilight Zone. And a 1960s television show. I was trying. <laughs> yeah. Is my yes. turn yet? <laughs> what do you want to leave behind in 2022? I'd like to leave behind... Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Hey! Uh, this woman has been probably the most powerful speaker in modern politics, a force of nature. She is, according to Joe Biden, the most consequential speaker in U.S. history. And we said. I am glad that Republicans sent her a retirement party. Her and Anthony Fauci both are going to have a retirement party thanks to Republicans and um, leave her in 2022. Goodbye, Speaker Pelosi. We all taking care of with that category? Yeah. The next category, Sean, the worst and or best moment of the year that's passing, 2022. <laughs> Sean's back in his seat like... <laughs> he is doing his best impersonation of his iconic hero, William F. Buckley. He was That was a lean back. Oh, yeah. A long inhale before the answer comes out, Sean. I think probably the worst moment has been a, a long spiraling moment this year was and it's what's happened with Kanye West. Mm. He went from being and so rich and having like a wife that was one of the most attractive people on the planet to going on to random podcasts wearing a sock over his face. I mean, yeah. I just should, should And when you moment. are when you are like so freaking <laughs> Can I say bad <laughs> crazy on this? Yeah, I'll, oh, we'll no. quack it out. <laughs> <laughs> that even Alec Jones of Infowars is like, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, buddy. Hey, he's, like, I need you to, he's like, I need you to, I need you to like dial that back a little bit. You're not a Nazi. Wow. He's like, I know what you're doing here. You don't really think Hitler is great. And he's like, oh, no. Uh, the roads were smooth. <laughs> I mean, so it, it's crazy. Like, what happens. specifically, too, like the amount of anti Semitic stuff that has Terrible. left yeah, right. his mouth this year. And, and it is just. Is any of this an act? Is any I, of this sort of I, like the I don't think it matters. performance I, art? I don't think it matters. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, listen, I don't want to know if it yeah. is or if it, if it isn't. It, what matters is what he says and how he behaves. And he just this this is probably I think just think bad, bad, bad. I keep hearing people describe him as having a mental crisis or like a mental mm. health breakdown. I I don't know. I I, so, I don't know what the deal is. I just know it's one of the most extreme spirals in modern history. I was gonna say I don't even know that it's a spiral. He's been kind of bat <laughs> crazy for a long time. Bill Bill Burr has this old skit from many years ago in which he talks about Kanye West and says, you know, at one point Kanye West said, like, what's your biggest regret in life? And his biggest regret was he was never able to see himself perform. And Bill Burr was like, <laughs> could you imagine if a normal person got up there and was like, I'm so smart. Like, I wish I could see myself perform. And then he was like, and then take that and put it in a little white man with a tiny little mustache. <laughs> and like, he's yelling at the top of his lungs. And so like, Bill Burr predicted this many years ago. Because yeah. Kanye West he for did. a long time has been uh, kind of wacky. And I mean, George Bush doesn't care about black people. That was. I remember that. But I think particularly I mean, like the Alex Jones deal was like. Probably one of Rock the worst bottom. moments yeah. of 2022. Like, it just it was just awful. Yeah. But but to my point about the celebrities, I mean, think about how Kanye West was lifted up by Trump and all the sort of folks around. I mean, they met with him in the Oval Office. I mean, th this is what I'm saying. You can't deify these celebrities, and uh, just a, it's a black hole. Kevin, your worst or best moment? Best moment, not because of what it meant, but just because it was fun to watch. Will Smith's smack mm -hmm. at the Oscars. Yeah. Oh, right. I forgot that Memorable. was this year. Yeah. yeah, that was this year. Welcome to Earth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> take my wife out of your mouth. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, they, I know, I know, a lot of people out there think it was staged as a publicity stunt. I know 
There's a lot of talk around it. It was just a lot of fun to watch. I did not watch the Oscars that night, but you know, it made me talk about the Oscars the next day at work. Man, I didn't get to do my best moment. Oh, either. oh, you're doing both. Oh, I thought you were picking one or the other. Oh, you, I didn't you, know it was a binary. You can do both. Oh, the best moment for me personally was going to see Dave Chappelle. Oh, that was a fun night with with Scott and a couple other buddies. It was great. Dave Chappelle is. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yes, I am. Sometimes we wonder with you. <laughs> Did you have a best one as well? You want to take two? Well, I mean, I was going to go back down to favorite thing later. No, I'll no, have to, to do another one. Yeah. No, Sean's can, can claim two. Mine is the same moment, actually. Best and worst. Yes. Oh. Was it on Very CNN? meta. The worst, the worst thing, I think, for the world, I, I, one, I think one of the worst things that happened in the world this year was the death of the queen. Mm. Mm. And... Uh, she was sort of the last pillar, the last bridge to the greatest generation, the World mm-hmm. War II generation of, of world leaders, the people who remember that Western civilization was on the brink. And I, uh, I really do think that was a that was a huge moment. And when someone like that dies, I think it's a it's a bad moment. But at the on, on the other hand, I remember watching all the coverage and and sort of looking at all the the uh, documentaries about her life and, and what she represented and, and sort of that, that World War II period. And I'm sure for a lot of people, that was the first time they had focused mm-hmm. on what people had to do to save the world in a long time. And so to me, even though someone died, someone I think that was really strong and, and important died, there was a good, there was a silver lining in the education mm-hmm about world history that went on there. So to me, it's, it's a little bit of the same. Best and worst came out of the same moment. And I had been in Europe a few weeks before she passed away. And for me, I'll always remember like being in London with Everett, my oldest son, and we saw Buckingham Palace and we saw, you know, we followed one of the, the guards march one day. And then, and then just a few weeks later, we're watching the whole thing go on on, on television. So for me, that'll be a memory I, I carry with me. Jared, mine is not as as sentimental, though. Maybe I'll try to make it. Um, I had the the unretiring of Tom Brady, and I <laughs> sort of joke about this, but he, you know, I think he's the greatest to ever do it. He, he is he is my childhood. And I just so, wish everyone could see like the beaming <laughs> smile so on your face. I didn't want. I shouldn't have followed that. You got. You should have let me go first. Um, but you know he kind of is my childhood, and so like I think him retiring was the end of an era, and so that was him retiring really stunk, and so him unretiring was like oh we get more of this. Um, now did he endorse cryptocurrency? Was that <laughs> yeah, before I don't know. or that after? Was, or during? This is lies and he blamed slander. Giselle earlier. <laughs> he did. Yeah, I mean it's, it's terrible. <laughs> Clearly she was a- actually he he may have done that actually between. I think it, when he did the little the little sabbatical he took, I think it was when he was endorsing. That's yeah, it's sabbatical. Bit, yeah. I'll blame just idle hands with the devil's workshop. So nothing you, to do. Gets into crypto. Yeah. I'll I'll pick only a worst moment. And you already mentioned the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but you can't really top that too much. But I will say that Joe Biden's speech at the very beginning of 2022 of Jim Crow 2.0 oh, uh, had yeah, to be bad. one of the worst moments in presidential history as far as speeches are concerned. You think that one was worse than the one where he was like a Sith Lord and? Like, oh, the <laughs> Philadelphia, and, uh, and he's like covered oh, in red light. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, we can put those together, perhaps. We'll we'll see all of Joe though. Biden's speeches. Worst no, moment well, ever. Just in terms of you know, uh, you're Bull Connor, you're yeah. you know Jim yeah. Crow, you're Jefferson Davis. Just it's so unpresidential uh, overall. So terrible, terrible moment there in 2022. Scott, am I correct that your clip that went viral? Was it right after that when you said he's been more divisive than I thought he would be? He's been angrier than I thought. Yeah. You said it to, to Anderson Cooper. Was that around that time? Because that was a good clip that went pretty. Yeah, viral. that was earlier this year. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, it was. It was around then. It was right at the beginning of the year. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. January. Remember people being like, "Oh, I thought this was Uncle Joe, and he seems so mad." And oh, you had that very viral moment. Angry on, Biden. Yeah. On so Anderson he really Cooper's was. Show, yeah. So, Sean, do you have a best and a worst person? I do. Okay. <laughs> uh, present, was, present company excluded on both. Just yeah. yeah. The so, um, best person would be Zelensky. All right. Yeah. Just no thoughts on that. Just we're waiting well, for your thoughts. Your thoughts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think that I just think that he a really inspiring figure, and uh, I think that what he's done to hold his own and hold hold Ukraine together during this time 
and uh, been been really an inspiring international figure for people to rally around. And uh, I think that you know, from having been a com- for him to have been a comedian and an actor mm-hmm. uh, before this to to become kind of the the hero that he is, I think is really impressive. I have a question about Zelensky, real quick. Um, first of all, I think you're exactly right. I think the fact that he has stood up and and uh, just I mean, his, his his bravery and and just you know standing up to power and whatever, whatever you want to call it. But is there a danger at all because of um, pop culture, or whatever else? I, I noticed today on Netflix when actually preparing for this conversation tonight and kind of looking over some of the scene Red Herd and like what all things I've been watching this year that he was like David Letterman's next guest on that you know series he does on Netflix. Yeah. Is there an overexposure thing at all with him? Is there any kind of danger of him kind of jumping the shark? I don't know. I think that you kind of have to like be an ambassador for your people, and I think he's just. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw that too. It didn't really, didn't really, didn't bother. Didn't no, I was just me curious. Anyway. I mean, I think he's a, a great figure, but I was just curious. I, I think that he is not somebody who's who's in it for himself. I mean, going back to at the very beginning of this, the United States offered to get him and his wife out of the country, and he said, "I'm not leaving. This is where I need to be." <laughs> I mean, he's he's keeping Ukraine in the international conversation, which is exactly what he needs to do and exactly where it needs to be. I think it's probably the first time since I've agreed with Time Magazine's mm-hmm. Person of the Year since 2007, whenever uh, they sent out the magazine, and it was a little reflection mirror because the Person of the Year was you. I remember when it was the personal computer. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> anyway, uh, how about the, your uh, your worst? Yeah, so I already hit Kanye West, and like the the like clear thing. If you're going to say the best person is Lindsay, then you got to say the worst person is Vladimir Putin. But I'm not going to do that because that would be like too easy, and I want to have more fun with this one. I think the worst person is Karine Jean Pierre. <laughs> Karine Jean Pierre. She has got to be the worst White House press secretary I've ever seen. It's not great, and. The more she talks, the more I just I just can't believe what I'm hearing. Is that a liability at all, Scott? Ultimately, for the Biden administration, her, her performance. Uh, well, she, I, she's better than the president. <laughs> I think I think overall, their outbound communications from him from her are generally not good. I think they frequently say things that are blatantly false and and uh, alarmingly misleading. I think that they do it on purpose, and I think they do it because they believe they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. And I think after the kind of campaign they ran, well, you know, we have to get rid of the liars, and we're going to tell you the truth, and we're going to shoot you straight. And for them to come in and be the biggest liars you can imagine, I mean, every day he and his press secretary lie about something willfully. And I just – I do think it's it, it erodes – his credibility, but it erodes the credibility of the White House. And for people who decried all of Trump's lying, I mean, it's pretty hypocritical. Kevin, who's your best or worst? Uh, so Sean said he wouldn't take him, so I will. I think the worst person of the year is Vladimir Putin. And yeah. he probably could get this many, many, many years in a row. Um, he's got a lot of lot of blood on his hands. Um, and poop in his pants, apparently. <laughs> what? what? You didn't hear that story that he's been sick and he fell down the stairs and pooped his pants? <laughs> No. I mean, who among us hasn't invaded <laughs> a country and pooped their pants in the same year? <laughs> yeah, right. real highs and lows there for him. But uh, no, look, I, if I, he's the worst person of the year, I can make fun of him for pooping his pants. Certainly can. <laughs> All right, fair game, right? Got, got nothing else there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take an easy, perhaps. I just want to salute uh, the best people, and those are all the people who, uh, who came to the rescue of the folks after. The tornadoes in western Kentucky, and, and, and then, of course, the flooding in eastern Kentucky as well. There's, there's a lot of people who have been working a lot of long hours, especially, obviously, when the disasters first hit, there's a lot of first responders. They certainly deserve credit. A lot of folks, though, for months and months and months afterward have been working to try to help those folks. I just want to give them a shout-out. Yeah. Jared? Uh, I've got a couple of worst honorable mention. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with people. Yeah, you about to Tom Brady's offensive coordinator. <laughs> I don't like Todd Bowles. I got no problem with Byron Leftwich. Uh, honorable mention that Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, you know, he just he got to get the name thrown out there. But my worst of the year, Taylor Lorenz, the the journalist. Uh, oh yeah. Um, it, like she's the worst, like on Twitter and those things. But like, I mean, truly in a in a time where we're trying to like bring respect back to journalism, she's one of these activists who like doxes her enemies and and really is is just I mean, not serving anybody in in particular and really causing damage i think to the news media so yeah the, she, she gets up there as worst 
I, I I had Putin written down, so he's he's my worst of the year. I mean, the the ramifications for his people, the people of Ukraine, the people of Europe, really everybody in the world. Yep. The ripple effects have been so deep; it's hard not to hard to not hard to uh, pick him. Scott, what's the favorite? The next category is favorite thing you read or saw. You might know regular listeners to our flyover country with Scott Jennings. We have a seen, read, heard portion usually toward the end of the podcast. Favorite thing you read or saw in 2022? Favorite book I read was was Grant by Chernow. Uh, getting through Grant uh, just felt so connected to Ulysses S. Grant and so moved by you know that American life and um, really intrigued and sort of got deeply into all of the connections he had to Kentucky, mm-hmm. where we are. And so I really really enjoyed that. I've I, Went through a lot of stuff this year, and we, you know, we talk about it every week. But that 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 has really stuck with me all year. Jared, uh, Stranger Things, the new season, I thought was f- just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I didn't think there was much. Also, it's historically significant. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, also, I have never seen it, so that, that's something uh, else. Not uh, not particularly educational, but uh, the best thing I saw this year. I'm gonna. I, it was Tom Brady's last game. Just seeing I, him play one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Brings a tear to your eye. Uh, yeah, it's great. I, I, you know, in a, a year where I didn't think there was much TV or movies that I went and saw, I thought Strange Things was just an, an incredible season of TV. Ah, uh, boy, did, who did anybody see a movie in a theater that they liked? Yes. What? what? That was one of the best things I saw all year. Was what? Top Gun? Yeah, that was the best movie of the year. Yeah. Man, I watched I saw, it on a plane. It wasn't, wasn't as, as impressive on a plane. I saw it in Canada, and I was and I was sort of <laughs> fit, a cheering a lot, but I felt a little sheepish because I was in a foreign country. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it was awesome. <laughs> was that your best thing? That was yeah that I that, that I was? saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, I also finished the Grant book this year. It took me over a year to read it, so it's best from <laughs> last year and this year. And then uh, we went to go see John Mulaney, the comedian, uh, mm-hmm. when he came here to Louisville. It was our first big event. It was at the Yum Center pack people in um that was back in february it was it was a great show this is not a tom brady best jared but the 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 uh, the, the conclusion of albert pujols's career oh yeah was uh, the best thing that i saw in 2022 it was really and for someone who has watched him literally i saw him play in person the first week of his rookie year in 2001 mm. and i've literally been watching him i mean i've seen him in playing a game every year since in person other than the covid year i guess come to think of it um, it's just pretty incredible that uh, that, but that last you know month and going over the 700 mark in Los Angeles yeah. and then up to a few more after that was pretty remarkable. All right, that was the favorite things we read and saw in 2022, Scott. Yeah, uh, favorite memories. Yes, is our next category. I have two. I had a big travel year. I spent a lot of time mm-hmm. on the road and in different places, and really two trips are going to stick with me for a long time. One was my trip to Europe, and particularly uh, being able to take my oldest son out to Normandy. I'd never been. Uh, incredibly moving uh, to be out there and to see the beaches and um, drive around a little bit out in the in the countryside and see where where history was made by the Americans and the British and the Canadians as they came ashore. And then also, I took my family to Alaska, which I had never visited before, and that was also an incredible experience. We went to Glacier Bay National Park and just had a an incredible time and uh, have a lot of fond memories of uh, some family travel this year. I will piggyback on that because my uh, favorite memory is also Alaska. Yeah. Uh, was able to be with you, Scott, with your family, with my family. And then I'm going to, because also then I loved it so much, two months later I took my dad to Alaska. <laughs> you kidnapped uh, your dad. <laughs> I kidnapped my dad. It, and, and, then, and both of them, Scott, I, I, I love being with your family. I love being with you. And we had some great conversations and just being able to sit back and yeah. go to the Grand Dutch Cafe on the – Koningsdam and sample some of those Dutch treats. What was the name of that restaurant? The Dutch Cafe. The du- I, ca- I you, kept calling you call it, it the, the Flying Dutchman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I first called it the Dutch Oven. That's, and right. It, that's right. Which <laughs> just sounded like a restaurant to that's me, right. but it wasn't it's, exactly. It was. Either. You never got it right, but it was, oh, it was always. Boy. It was always very good. But then the fact, but but being that's able to uh, <laughs> being able to take my dad back there. My dad is my hero. Uh, just uh, and and just having that time together. I will. I'll recommend this to anybody. This is a lot to put your dad through, and you can only imagine what it's like to, uh, after the podcast every week with me here, guys, and answering my uh, inane questions sometimes. Um, but I put my dad through an oral history that week, so I the the uh, the the transaction, if you will. I said, Dad, we're going on a cruise. I said, but you, you're going to owe me a certain number of hours on the cruise in the cabin there where I interviewed him, 
And so it's a chance for us to – and sometimes if you um, – you know, you certainly could have conversations with your family members. But if you can kind of create that construct to say, I have a duty to ask you these questions, mm-hmm. you can hear some stories and and get some understandings and things that perhaps you – they wouldn't just come up a natural conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I in, – in my day job sometimes I, I do – uh, some videos and sometimes some documentary type things. And I realized I was doing biographies of a lot of other people that were not my own family. Mm-hmm. And I should do this for my own family too. So being able, certainly in Alaska and the, and the, it was great because literally we were going by glaciers yeah. and looking out the window, but then also just having these great conversations. So if you get a chance, it doesn't have to be in front of a glacier, but get a <laughs> tape recorder, get, get your, get your iPhone out, whatever phone, and just put it on the, the voice recorder and put it in front of your, of your grandparents or your parents and ask them some questions. Mm-hmm. Kevin. My favorite memory this year uh, was obviously the birth of our son, Teddy, and uh, the months leading up to it of my older son, Henry, learning he's going to be a big brother, coming to terms with it, and then the two of them meeting for the first time. Um, it, it was real special. How is your son? <laughs> he's, he's great. <laughs> Mr. <Thank> T. <laughs> Mr. T. <laughs> Mr. T's doing great. How many so. fools has he pitied? He pities none of How them. How many diapers have you uh, changed now? <laughs> the limit does not exist. Just keep <laughs> keep coming. You use real diapers or fake diapers? What is no, a, no, a fake, fake diaper? No, fake. <laughs> Are you saying you want to use like clothespins and cloth? <laughs> yeah. Which I'm is which is real and which is fake? <laughs> we use I don't know. Disposable diapers that then Yeah, that's what we we, we get out of our house <laughs> as quickly as possible. Not reusable. <laughs> Yeah. Favorite memory? Uh, this summer, I had three weddings in eight days. Uh, wow. What do yeah. your wife's think? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Um, that was good. Good job. <laughs> it was expensive. Um, no, three three weddings in eight days uh, and, and kind of three different friend groups. And uh, it was it was hectic, a lot of travel. Uh, but we got to see family, friends, and, and uh, you know, so many weddings have been put off. We hadn't seen friends in, in a couple of years because of COVID. Uh, and so it was great to to be with people and hundreds of people dancing and no masks and just kind of having fun mm. uh, and not worrying and all those things. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. And I, I just, I, I'm a big wedding guy. So uh, it, it was a lot of fun. You're a big wedding guy. <laughs> like I love attending <laughs> wedding guy. You know, wedding crashers is actually about him. I Maybe. wish. <laughs> I love shout. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> Makes me want to <laughs> shout. Uh, yeah, so uh, my favorite memory, uh, it's also a traveling-related memory, and then it's also France, because I went to France for two weeks this year. Yeah. Uh, and But of that trip in particular, there was there was nothing um, that... <laughs> I tried to sneak it out. For like six weeks, you've been coughing on this show. Golly. Was that a, sn- a sneeze or a cough? <laughs> Unbelievable. It's whatever Putin oh did. He's, a, he's right. allergic to stories about the French. This whole, I, I was going to say, but your best moment was the COVID was behind us. <laughs> After <laughs> last week's show, I had the whole studio disinfected. Now Can't you've come wait. in here this week. I'm cutting You're off still this. Sean, go ahead. <laughs> Anyways. Take us back to France. At, so, you know, and Scott, I mentioned going to you know Normandy and visiting the beaches. The cemetery there is very uh, moving. But one, one other moment for me that was really important was uh, standing in the library where Alexis de Tocqueville wrote Democracy in America, which is one of the greatest political theory uh, works that has ever looked at America and our culture. He yeah. wrote his book in the library? That's pretty convenient. <laughs> Just finish it up, put it right on the shelf. <laughs> Sean says, here's the most important moment of my year. Scott's like, here, let me ruin it for you. I'm not ruining it. I'm asking, did he literally write it in the library? Like he, there's a de- yeah, like his desk yes. is there where he does his writing. He did, was did he was with Colonel Mustard. Did God rest <laughs> his soul. Now we're making clue jokes. <laughs> oh, it's getting late. The year is getting late. It's getting late. Got to get back to that twilight. I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right. Did everyone give us their favorite uh, memory? Yeah. You good. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's time now for Flyover Country with Scott Jennings 2022 predictions for the new year. And the first question that Jerry My prediction put, is I will no longer be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First one will come through. That's pretty safe, right. actually. <laughs> <laughs> Taking odds on that one. Uh, the first question, Jared, you gave us three questions here to answer. One was 
who will be the GOP and Democratic presidential candidates. We have what will Biden's approval rating peak at, and then we need some bold predictions after that. So, Kevin, give me your Republican and Democratic presidential candidates. I think it's going to be DeSantis v. Biden. That's where I am, too. I mean, at the moment, I mean, obviously. Mm -hmm. There there are no candidates in 2023. I mean, it seems like Biden's locked in. Oh, yeah. I got Biden-Trump. You're sticking with, <laughs> sticking with sticking with play the hits NFT guy. Because I'm trying to be more the the bold prediction thing. I think DeSantis ultimately uh, is is not going to catch fire. I think he's going to cap out, and I think we're going to get a dark horse out of nowhere. So I'll just pick I'll pluck one out of somebody who's very ambitious. Warnock, Biden, Ralph, <laughs> Warnock. <laughs> Kevin, that, we, was, that we, was like ugly crying laughing. We almost made it three weeks in a row <laughs> yeah, without bringing up Ralph Warnock. <laughs> the Ralph. And I didn't do it, Joe. It wasn't me. All right. All right. I'm I agree. I, I didn't get to weigh in. I agree with uh, my friends Kevin and Scott about it being DeSantis I, Trump. I moment. think Joe Biden will be the Democratic nominee for president. Mm. And I'm going to pick a different candidate other than Ron DeSantis. And I'm going to say somebody who's been very ambitious, very friendly with the mainstream media. It's very, I think he's very engaging, um, uh, younger, but has come somewhat gravitas. Chris Sununu of New Hampshire. Whoa. He's, uh, he's out making the rounds. He is. I like it. I think he's going to make some little noise here before, uh, mm-hmm. before it's all said and done. So we'll see. I mean, as a fellow pudgy suburban dad type, I'm, I'm I hear it. I see him. He used to run for re-election in New Hampshire every two years. Yeah, can you believe that? It's nuts. It's a lot. So he he knows how to win. They got like eight thousand yes. members of their legislature. It's, he yeah. has won it eight more elections largest. than Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it is the largest legislature in like state legislature just, in the country, and they make like wow. thirty-five bucks a year. Yeah, it's crazy. Is that right? Yes, it's weird. All right, time for. The next question from Jared, which is Biden's approval rating, what will it what will it be the peak in twenty twenty three? What will be the highest? What will be the threshold? Scott. Forty six percent. Forty six. That's what I was gonna say. Forty four. Forty five and a half. <laughs> Just because it's like price is right. <laughs> and the apps and the actual retail price, I'm actually going for the upper. I'm saying forty nine point eight. He's never gonna be able to clear fifty, but there's gonna be you're saying for the peak. I'm not saying he's gonna end there. There's going to be – there's all kinds of – who's to say the things that are happen next year? There, there will be some instance, there will be some moment, perhaps with Ukraine or Russia yeah. or something else, that there will be some – there will be a poll out there. <laughs> Just explain he'll... the question to us. <laughs> Hence, peak, not like median. <laughs> Did you come up with that in the library? <laughs> It's been a long year. It's been a long year. It's been a very long year. So can we just kind of come to an agreement, like maybe after the new year, we'll stop some of this? Yeah. Some of what? We got to get it all me, out. The, the, <laughs> oh, oh, I won't be here. So <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. A little easier. Now, time we're going to go around and around. Three bold predictions. So Sean, we'll start with the, your first one. Bold prediction. We won't go into a recession. Okay. Kevin? For the first time since Reconstruction, there will be no statewide elected Democrat in Kentucky. Bold prediction. So you're predicting an Andy Bashir loss. Yeah. All right. And everybody else, too, but it's cooler the way I said it. Yes. (laughs) Explain it to me like a median peak. All right. Uh, uh, I will say a deal will be brokered to end the war between Russia and Ukraine. But Russia gets to keep some of the land that it seized. Two-parter. Okay. Jared. Biden will have at least three serious challengers for the nomination. And one of my other predictions will be who one of those people is. We'll come back around to it. When will will these begin to percolate? Oh, I think very soon. I thought you were going to say Biden will face three serious challenges on his quest. (laughs) The way you're setting it up. A flight of stairs. Number one. Speaking a coherent <laughs> sentence. A teleprompter. <laughs> he will have to slay many dragons. Hopefully Corn Pop will show up to help. <laughs> uh, All right, Scott. I'll make a bold prediction. I think it is highly possible Donald Trump drops out of this race. Whoa. Oh. Because 
if the erosion he's currently experiencing is true and it continues and he cannot find a way to reverse it, I just don't know if he can stomach getting beaten by Ron DeSantis or anyone else. I'll piggyback on yours because it's about Donald Trump, and I don't think this will cause him to drop out, but Donald Trump will be indicted. Yeah. Mm. I'm not sure that's so bold. I mean, yeah. somebody's going to indict him, I would imagine. Yeah. Anytime a, a former president being indicted, I think, is bold, regardless of how likely it might seem. So, anyway. Okay, fine. It's bold, then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, I, what I mean is... I mean, okay, fine. You have it your way. Sean. Uh, my second bold prediction... Is that there will be the first real revolution in Iran? Oh, whoa! Given everything that's going on over there, is that how you pronounce it? Isn't it Iran? Watch the World I'm Cup. I'm sorry. Iran, yeah. Watch I, the World Cup. That's a great okay. callback to Joe's video he made us watch. Uh, you played the video here. Yeah, remember the soccer player? I do remember that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and you said this was, this was a great example of class about how to <laughs> handle things. Thank you for watching. <laughs> Kevin. Uh, I predict the U.S. House of Representatives will impeach a member of the cabinet or higher, a higher-ranking official. Wow. Who? Mayorkas? Probably. Yeah. 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 Money, money's there. He's on the hot seat. Yep. Has anybody else not given their their second poll prediction yet? Jared? So my first was that Biden will have three legitimate challengers for the <laughs> for the quest to right. uh, through to the library. find and the he... golden key to the White House, and, he'll and look one at of them. those challengers will be Michelle Obama. Oh, oh. she's not gonna run. Uh, hey, that's bold. That's bold. That's bold, though. Oh, it's bold. <laughs> it's bold. That's a word for it. All right. Uh, I will start the third round of our final uh, bold predictions for 2023. Classified documents or some other proof will be leaked showing that COVID-19 did, in fact, leak from a lab in Wuhan. And then yeah. there'll be some congressional, all kinds of investigations there. Maybe Jamie Cumber will be all over that. Mm-hmm. Good one. There you go. I think you'd like to be. Yes. Kevin. <clears throat> I think in 2023, the United States will put a man back on the moon. In 23? They're already halfway there. Wow. To half, whoa, whoa. Half. They're living on a prayer? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what do you like, mean? In the upper atmosphere right now. <laughs> that is very bold. I don't, are, I you, think, yeah. are you saying Bon Jovi's going to <laughs> Yes, sure. All right, Sean. Uh, my bold prediction is that um, they are going to continue to release these Twitter files, and they are going to see that there was actual government involvement with censoring hmm. more direct than what more we've seen direct so far. than what we've yeah. seen so far what government the u.s government but under who that's what i don't understand about this wasn't trump the president when all this government censoring was supposedly going on yeah i mean i'm that's what i'm saying is i think it's gonna be like doj <clears throat> fbi so you're saying sort yeah. of the deep state was well, meddling putting words in my mouth <laughs> it's a bold prediction we're allowed yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> but I think we're going to see like actual government power, whether it was it was under the yeah. previous administration or the current administration. So, what do you know about this? What do I know about it? <laughs> Didn't know if you have some information. All right, Scott. Well, um, some weeks ago, Elon Musk started banning people on Twitter, <laughs> so <laughs> I thought I would try to predict who else I thought might be banned. Who should be banned and who will be banned? Okay, Rex the- Chapman. Rex yeah. could be banned from Twitter. Kentucky. That's, He's known for like a lot of like reappropriating other people's stuff, right? Yeah, a lot of misinformation. Blocker charge. And a lot of a lot of bad stuff. I think the world would be a better place if he were banned from Twitter, candidly. What would he do? Uh, all day long? I yeah. don't know. Scream into a pillow? I have no idea. What if somebody should over under number of times Rex Chapman has tweeted? Like somebody oh, set a line no right idea. now. Two hundred thousand. Oh, I'm taking the over. But that's not fair because cool. he could delete All some right. of the older ones, right? I've got the number. Three hundred and six thousand times. I mean, honestly. 
I was looking up a journalist the other day who shall <laughs> remain nameless. I mean, tweeted like a hundred and sixty something thousand times. All in like, one thread. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why? What are you doing with your life? This is not a, a, a part of the bold predictions. Will any of the other alternative social media, Twitter-like sites, take off? Mm, I don't know. Mastodon. I was gonna say Mastodon. Social. They, what's the other? They want. I don't know. Parlor. Parlor. I don't I, know. Yeah. Uh, All right. What's your last one? I just there, want Drew? him to bring back Yik Yak. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that back? I think Wait. it's back. I thought that was banned. He hates TikTok. He likes Yik Yak. Don't How about, talk back. Jib <laughs> <laughs> jab. All right. Yeah. Um, so uh, last year on the podcast, uh, maybe around this time, we had Josh Kroshauer on. Yeah. Uh, and one of, I think it was a lightning round question. We asked him who would win the Super Bowl, and he actually picked the uh, Los Angeles Rams, who then went on to win the Super Bowl. So I thought it'd be fitting if uh, I threw in a Super Bowl prediction. So I will predict the Buffalo Bills oh. uh, will beat the San Francisco 49ers in Bills, Super Bowl. Niners in Super Bowl, whatever it is. 50 something. Uh, I said the, the Bills will beat the Niners. Well, gents, it has been a. Uh, oh, I don't get a third one. Oh, you already, I thought you already did. No. Oh, you're just coming on everybody else's. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'll predict the Cardinals are going to win the World Series. <laughs> I thought Rex Chapman was your third. No, it was my second. Oh, okay. All right. Unless you and I jointly predict Cardinals, well, Cardinals will World win Series. the World Series. MVP, Nolan Arenado. Fine with me. All right. That's good. I, I'm, I'm glad we were ending on a baseball note as opposed to go. like the Bills and NFL. Mm. Thanks for that. Yeah. And thanks, Scott, for, uh, for having here. us on the old uh, flyover every week. I really enjoyed this. I appreciate your guys' time every week. I think we've uh, put together some nice shows and um, look forward to doing some more in the new year. And uh, uh, we look forward to listener engagement, ideas, good ratings, more subscriptions, and so on and so forth. Be careful out there. Don't drink and drive. Have a wonderful and safe New Year's celebration. We look forward to talking to you in 2024, for Sean Southard, for Kevin Grout, for Jared Crawford, and for Scott Jennings, I'm Joe Arnold, the great-great-grandnephew of Guy Lombardo, saying Happy New Year. <laughs>